There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends, but who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef. Today we'll be talking about a very important gland in our bodies that produces hormones, regulates metabolism, helps your organs work, and so much more. We're talking about this butterfly-shaped thyroid gland. Located between the voice box and collarbones, your thyroid affects almost every process in your body. And today's topic, we'll be, we'll be uh, talking about thyroid functions, disease symptoms, causes, treatments, and so much more. For today's discussion, we welcome our expert, endocrinologist, Dr. Mary Viuclis Kellis. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here. If you just want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, thank you for having me. I'm Dr. Mary Viuclis Kellis. I'm an adult endocrinologist here at the Cleveland Clinic. I've been here since 2012. I had my training in medicine and endocrinology over at NYU in New York City. I'm happy to be with you today. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So let's kind of start by what is a function of a thyroid gland? And did I point at it right? I feel like I was... Yes. Yeah. So the thyroid gland basically sits between the collarbone okay. and the Adam's apple here. Okay. And uh, it can affect pretty much every part of the body. It can regulate metabolism. It can regulate temperature tolerance. Mm -hmm. It can actually cause changes in periods, in mood. Um, and basically people can have fatigue if there's not enough thyroid hormone or can be revved up and have anxiety if there's too much thyroid hormone. It can also affect the heart. Nice. So weight is also a big issue. So not enough thyroid hormone can cause weight gain. Too much thyroid hormone can cause weight loss. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to make sure that your thyroid function is healthy. So it sounds like there's a huge spectrum. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay, so it all depends on the, or, uh, on the, on the disorders. Let's talk a little bit about <coughs> thyroid disorders. So thyroid disorders, um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis is a benign autoimmune thyroid condition. It's actually the most common cause of hypothyroidism, or underactive thyroid, in okay. the United States. Okay. Uh, it's very common, especially in women. Women are eight times more likely to have a thyroid condition than men mm -hmm. in the ha Hashimoto's. And typically, uh, symptoms of Hashimoto's could be, again, everything slows down. So you can have cold intolerance, you can have fatigue, weight gain, depression, decreased mood, um, low energy, dry skin, constipation. So those are some of the symptoms that can be associated with that. Now when you say hypo, there's hypo and there's hyper. Exactly. Right? So what is the difference? So the difference is the amount of thyroid hormone that's around. So with hypo, there's not enough thyroid hormone. So mm -hmm. as a result, all of these functions tend to be decreased. With hyper, there's way too, too much, much thyroid hormone, and as a result, you have increase in temperature, so you're feeling hot and sweaty, increase in uh, uh, symptoms of adrenaline, uh, and you feel anxiety, insomnia, your metabolism's revved up, you're losing weight, that's all for hyperthyroidism. So is that like uh, Graves' disease? Is that so, so yes, Graves' disease is definitely one of the causes of hyperthyroidism. That's an autoimmune benign condition that basically results in antibodies stimulating your thyroid gland to make extra thyroid hormone. There are other causes of hyperthyroidism. Mm -hmm. So toxic nodular goiter is another example of that. So nodules that secrete thyroid hormone can also result in the similar symptoms of excess thyroid hormone. Finally, thyroiditis, which is another uh, cause, possible cause, uh, 
painful or painless is what we, we uh, describe it. One yeah. is called subacute, where there's pain associated. Sometimes can result in hyperthyroidism as well, where there's release of preformed thyroid hormone as a result of inflammation. And in that condition, often that can resolve on its own, not requiring medication. But with Graves' disease, uh, we typically treat with medication or radioactive iodine or surgery. And with toxic nodular goiter, the treatment is typically radioactive iodine or surgery. Now when you say pain, are you actually feeling the pain on the gland itself or somewhere else in the body? Yeah, so for painful thyroiditis, it can be pretty extensive. I mean, mm -hmm. we've seen patients actually go to the emergency room and the pa pain was so bad. Wow. Um, but obviously, every patient is different, and sometimes it's just a dull, sort of achy pain in the area of the thyroid. Right, right. And sometimes you can have associated um, radiation to the, to the ears. You can have ear pain or sometimes headaches because there's pain in that area as well. Oh, okay. There can be associated as well. Okay, so let's talk about iodine deficiency, because is that, uh, is that one of the causes? So iodine deficiency typically can result in goiters. It's usually seen in third world countries. Okay. So in the United States, actually the most common cause of hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's, because mm -hmm. we tend to not have iodine deficiency here. Um, so, you know, our foods are very fortified with iodine, like eggs and bread and things like that. So the having the deficiency of iodine really is not something we should be as concerned about. Okay, great. Now, um, goiter. Tell me exactly what that is. So the word goiter basically just means an enlarged thyroid gland. Okay, okay. So that's when, that's when you know something could be wrong, correct? Exactly. When you feel it swollen. Okay, great. And um, speaking of thyroid nodules, are they normal to have nodules? And do they feel, do, do you feel them? So sometimes you actually don't feel thyroid nodules. Often you don't, actually. Usually we find them incidentally. Or mm -hmm. if you went to a, a doctor's office and they did a physical exam, you can, you can feel that on exam if they're large enough. Typically nodules more than one centimeter are palpable. Mm -hmm. um, and often if they're larger than that, you know, sometimes a friend could pick it up if they yeah, see you. and they looking at right at it. When yeah, you, you know, I like to <laughs> eye your thyroid because <laughs> from across the room. So, so that's, you know, usually they're picked up incidentally. They're going for CAT scans of the neck or, you know, something, some other imaging study because they have neck pain. Yeah. Um, and as a result, they incidentally find these nodules. But they're very uh -huh. common. Um, and basically, I tell people it's usually the percent chance of you having it is with the decade of your life. So, wow. you know, if you're 50, you probably have a 50% chance of having a nodule. If you're yeah. 60, you probably have a 60% chance of sure. having a nodule. Sure. Now, I know you mentioned earlier a toxic nodule. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about what it, what it is exactly? Yeah, so the word toxic is very frightening, just yeah. like the word Graves is. But again, Graves is just named after the guy who came up with this diagnosis. Okay. Yeah, and toxic just basically means that the nodule is just secreting thyroid hormone on its own without listening to the signals of the body. So wow. in endocrinology, we have a lot of signaling. So if something is in excess, the body shuts it off so it's not making enough. Yeah. Well, with nodules, they don't care about what the body is telling it. They just decide to continue to secrete thyroid hormone. And as a result, these nodules can typically are larger and as a result, they, they secrete these, these hormones, and the treatment typically for this is radioactive iodine, which will get rid of the overproduction of thyroid okay, or so surgery. Okay, so toxic doesn't mean cancer. Yeah, toxic does not mean cancer. Now, how do you know if you have toxic? Uh, just again, with, with the symptoms, what kind of symptoms? Yeah, so the symptoms for? of hyperthyroidism, so mm -hmm. weight loss, anxiety, heat intolerance, changes in periods, hair okay. loss, um, sweating, feeling flushed, yeah. hot, hot. 
Um, and then obviously when you have those symptoms and you go to your physician, they check your blood tests and if the blood tests reveal hyperthyroidism and there's something felt in the neck, then we can you know, do a thyroid ultrasound, which is a non-invasive test okay. that looks to see exactly you know, if there are any nodules in the neck. And then if that's the case, we also do what's called a thyroid uptake scan where we take a pill that contains radioactive iodine. It's a small mm -hmm. dose and it takes a picture of your thyroid. Okay. And if those nodules are producing thyroid hormone, you'll see them light up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what are the causes for, for this toxic uh, nodule besides maybe iodine deficiency? Well, it's not that. It's, uh, they're usually they're called autonomous nodules. So we're, we don't really know the true understanding, but what's happening is there's something on a cellular level that's causing these um, thyroid nodules to just continue to grow and as okay. a result they end up secreting. Miscommunicating. Yeah. Okay, great. So what about uh, a TSH level? You hear that a lot when yeah. it comes to thyroid. What <laughs> yeah. is that? <laughs> so TSH st stands for thyroid stimulating hormone okay. and actually that's a pituitary hormone and it's the most sensitive marker of your thyroid. Mm. So the one thing that's very important to understand is that this level actually when it's low means that you're making too much thyroid hormone and when oh. it's high, you're not making enough. It works opposite the oh, thyroid. Okay. So um, free T4 and free T3 are actual thyroid hormones. T3 is the active form of thyroid. Yeah. So when those levels are up, that means you have a lot of thyroid hormone on board. Okay, great. Now, if any of our audience or viewers would like to do this at home and check for their thyroid, is this something we can do at home? Yes. Okay, so maybe we can walk through it because we also have listeners and, and not viewers, so we'll do both. Okay. But we have a glass of water here. Okay. Tell me what to do. So you basically take the glass of water. Okay. And you lift your head up mm -hmm. and you take a sip, hold it in your mouth, and then mm -hmm. you look in the mirror and swallow. Ah, uh, you check in just as you're You check from your collarbone up here. Mm -hmm. And when you swallow, you're checking and looking for any lumps or bumps in this from here oh. down. Okay? Okay. So if you swallow and you feel like you see something there, then obviously it's very important to see your doctor to have that checked out. Okay, so it's nothing that you feel for. You have to look in the mirror to see when you take a gulp of water if there's any bumps. It's or not lumps. just like oil. You lumps. could okay. just feel for it, but sometimes it's easier if you drink the water because you can see the nodule going up and down if I it's see. a large one. Sometimes though you don't see any nodules and you still have them, but those typically are small and under a centimeter okay. and those usually are not concerning. Okay, great. So if I'm having any of these um, symptoms in this huge, vast spectrum that we just talked about from hypo to hyper, well, how do I know when to see a doctor? It just sounds like there's so many symptoms that could almost sound like something else. Well, I always tell people if you're just not feeling yourself, yeah. then you need to see a doctor. Okay. And you know, you, you tell them your symptoms and they will run some labs. It's not always a thyroid issue that sure. can cause these things because again, these are such general symptoms, but it's always important to let them know. If you have a family history of thyroid, you're much higher risk of having a thyroid wow. condition. So that's really important to know as well. Okay. So if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, it's important to see your doctor to have that further evaluated. Great, and then when is surgery needed then? Is that so surgery okay. is usually needed um, in situations where your, your gland is so large that it's causing issues swallowing or mm. breathing, that would be one indication. Oh. Obviously, if there's thyroid cancer, when you get a biopsy of a, of a nodule that is found. Sure. Uh, and again, in certain situations, like for example, toxic nodular goiter uh, or Graves' disease, um, it can also be used for those conditions as well. Sure. And I know, so thyroid really affects your hormones, right? Yes. And so you, if your hormones are out of whack, how do I know if it's what if it's the age of menopause? So that's, that's very important because, you know, thyroid can be diagnosed at any age, but mm -hmm. often we see people uh, ages 
40 to 60 uh, women who are getting right. diagnosed with thyroid conditions. And sometimes a lot of these symptoms can be menopause symptoms. Right. And it can be sort of poo-poo that, hey, you know, whatever, you're going through menopause, leave me alone. Yeah. You know, but yeah. <laughs> that's actually not the case. Okay. Because sometimes while it is menopause, you can also have a thyroid condition that right. needs to be evaluated. So, so if you're going through the change and you're having irregular periods, it is important to have your thyroid evaluated just in case that that could be the cause that your periods are irregular. Right. Maybe your body's not ready for menopause, but you're having these irregular periods because there's thyroid dysfunction. Sure, sure. Okay, and then let's talk a little bit about diets or supplements. What should we eat? What should we not eat? Okay, what so, do you have for us? so this <laughs> is very controversial. There's a lot Always of stuff is. online about this. Yeah, diet is. So, you know, once you're euthyroid or if you have normal thyroid, you don't have to avoid things. So you read about cruciferous vegetables, which yeah. are broccoli and, and cauliflower. You read about kale and all these things that can yeah. have potential to affect your thyroid, but you don't necessarily have to avoid these things, especially if you're on thyroid hormone supplementation and if your thyroid function is normal. Okay. Uh, similarly with soy, there's a lot about soy and how it affects the thyroid. I would say that if you're taking uh, a lot of soy around the time of when you take the medication, Perhaps there can be issues with absorption, but in terms of the way you take that medication, we do have some guidelines of waiting, um, you know, taking it with a glass of water, waiting before eating or drinking anything, and uh, keeping vitamins and, and um, you know, iron tablets uh, three to four hours after taking those, those pills. Great, great information, thank you. Okay, so I have some thyroid myths. <coughs> I want you to debunk them for me, and then tell me why. Well, okay. Tell me the correct mm -hmm. answer. So, number one, obvious symptoms. It's obvious. So it's definitely thyroid. not obvious. So yeah. like, like we talked before, a lot of this can be vague because there's so many different things that you can have. And yeah. sometimes people have weight gain, but you know, they're feeling heat intolerance. So how do you tease that out if one symptom could be hyper and one symptom could be hypo? That's yeah. why it's important if you, if you just aren't feeling right, just have it looked at, yes, you know? Yes. Get, get Even if it feels like menopause. Exactly. Okay, because that was my second one, so I'll scratch that one. Mm -hmm. uh, how about thyroid disease makes your eyeballs bulge? Okay, so the eyeballs bulge thing is, it's <laughs> <laughs> You're beautiful. <laughs> the eyeballs bulge is a rare uh, situation. A Graves' eye disease is typically uh, the usually seen with Graves, which is the benign autoimmune condition, and it can sometimes be seen in smokers more. Mm. So if you're a smoker with Graves' disease, I would urge you regardless to quit smoking. Yes. Um, but for, for people who have Graves' eye disease, it's, you know, treatable condition. Uh, sometimes we, you know, we give supplements. If it's a mild condition, we can give selenium. Um, if it's severe, we give steroids. And obviously, ophthalmology helps along. And sometimes if things aren't as good, we might have to do surgery. Okay. All and right. And then we talked a little bit about thyroid nodules does not mean you have cancer. Yeah, so that nodules 90% of the time are benign. Okay, great. And then iodine supplements are needed if you have thyroid disease? So, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, we if you want to take a multivitamin that contains iodine in it, that's fine. But yeah. you don't necessarily, you don't need to take extra. And the problem is sometimes taking extra can be an issue because you can throw you into hypo or even hyper right. in certain situations. Right. We're getting a lot of questions. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more thing before I go to the okay. live. Um, now, if I see a nodule, <laughs> if I do this drink of water like we talked about, and I see a, a little nodule, a little bump, mm 
-hmm. Is this something to be concerned about right away, or is this something I could just do at home and to regulate what I have before going to a doctor? If you see a bump, you should probably see, see a doctor. It. Okay. Yeah, Great. and I would say st seeing an endocrinologist would be a good start because they can sometimes do the ultrasound in the office or send you for an ultrasound and then decide if it's something that needs further evaluation. Okay. Sometimes you'll need a, a biopsy, which is a little needle that they put into the nodule mm. to take cells to see and make sure that they're healthy. Okay. Great. Okay. Excellent. All right, so let's go to some of these questions. Uh, I have Marilyn. Uh, when I first started taking the medication, I felt better. Now I just feel as bad as I did before I started no. taking it. I don't go to see my thyroid doctor till August, but I told her the last time, which was two months ago, that I wasn't feeling any better and she did not increase my thyroid meds. Why would that be and what can I do? Okay, thanks for your question, Marilyn. So it I'm not sure what your labs show. Uh, the range for the thyroid is, is very wide. It really depends on the lab. Its TSH is about 0.4 to 4.5 in certain labs. Mm. Um, it's a very wide range. So, you know, personally, as an endocrinologist, if someone's not feeling right and they're in a place where I could potentially increase their dose a little bit but keep them in a safe, healthy range, I could do that and I usually do. Um, but if you're in a very healthy range and you're still not feeling right, well, then maybe it's not your thyroid. Okay. So these are other things that I like to tell people that, you know, when you have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition, you can have other mm -hmm. autoimmune issues. Right. You can have B12 deficiency, which is pernicious anemia. That can cause fatigue. You can have celiac, which is a gluten intolerance. That can cause fatigue. Wow. You can have adrenal insufficiency, which is a low, low cortisol. It's rare, uh, but that can cause fatigue. You sure. can have diabetes, type 1, which is autoimmune. Yeah. So there are a lot of other things that can cause fatigue. And by the way, sleep apnea, which is very undiagnosed, can also cause fatigue. Wow. So if fatigue is the issue, we need to look into what's causing that. We need to review diet. We need to rule out other things. Okay, okay? great. Thank you. And I have Kathy. Can mm -hmm. an enlarged goiter uh, right itself after menopause? So enlarged goiter is just basically an enlarged thyroid gland, and going through menopause doesn't necessarily change the anatomy of the gland. So okay. you'll probably still have enlargement of the gland. Sometimes, you know, thyroid levels can change because of the estrogen going down with menopause, but it doesn't really affect the anatomy of the gland much. Great. And then uh, Bethann, my, me uh, my <coughs> medicine was increased uh, in June 1st to 75 milligrams of, is it Armour yes. thyroid? Because I had symptoms of hypothyroid. Mm -hmm. uh, and my latest blood work shows my TSH at 0.92 and my T3 at 4.2. Hormonal levels are normal, however, my hair continues to fall out in handfuls and without even touching it. How long should I expect this to last? Is there anything I should be doing? Could my medicine be too high now causing my hair to fall out as all my other symptoms have subsided? So hair loss is a big issue. Uh, I don't know, how old is Bethann? Do we see how old she is? Uh, nope. So any changes in thyroid function could potentially cause hair loss and sometimes it can be prolonged and it could be three months later, even when the levels are normal, that, that you can start seeing improvement in the hair issue. Okay. But sometimes it's not just the thyroid that can be affecting the hair loss, it can be other things. Right. So um, looking to make sure that there's no iron deficiency would be one other thing to consider. And sometimes if you're, you're in menopause, in a low estrogen state, that hair follicle starts to thin. Mm -hmm. So things start to appear like you have thinning or thin hair, right. and that could also be a, a reason. Okay, and speaking of thin hair, Kathy wants to know oh. if hair loss 
or shredding a symptom of thyroid disease? Yeah, it definitely can be. I mean, a lot of people lose thyroid uh, with thyroid dysfunction can lose hair, and mm -hmm. typically it, it can be reversible. When you're losing hair, you know, kind of falling out. Yeah. There is also another condition called alopecia areata. It's an autoimmune condition, which actually can result in hair loss. Usually it's like round spots of hair loss. Sure. Um, so definitely there is a connection between thyroid and hair loss. All right. And Mary Jane, um, why do my thyroid tests always come back okay, but I have almost every symptom of thyroid? That's always my issue. I'm like, it just sounds like I have every symptom. <laughs> well, see, that's the One thing. It's very hard to tease out because yeah. there, there, it's such a general, there's so many symptoms that can be associated with thyroid because yeah. the thyroid affects everything. So the most important thing is, you know, if you're keeping the levels within a healthy normal range. So yeah, you could have a TSH that's considered normal, but it's really not normal. Um, and in that situation, we could increase the dose to see if you feel better. But if we do increase the dose and you're not feeling better, then definitely th it could be multifactorial. There can be other things causing this to happen. So we'd have to tease out little by little, you know, dietary, um, you know, refined sugars, processed foods can make you feel fatigue can mm -hmm. you know they, they can create a lot of symptoms that could you know be comparable to, to thinking that it's a thyroid issue you know right. fatigue definitely is a you know pretty non-specific issue yeah, you know yeah. so we would have to look into other causes you know if I want to check my um, TSH levels do I just go to, can I go to my primary doctor if I don't have any issues but I would like to check on my thyroid because it seems like it kind of controls a lot and yes of course is a big thing of course so I could just go to my uh, primary care physician just asking for these yes. levels be checked? Yeah, so we, we uh, primary care physicians check thyroid levels all the time. So okay. you can just tell them, um, you know, they usually start with a screening test, which is TSH. Um, mm -hmm. Other tests we check are free T4, um, free T3 in people who are hyperthyroid. Um, and then thyroid antibodies are, you know, clues to autoimmune thyroid conditions. Right. So thyroid peroxidase antibody, thyroid globulin antibody, and in the case of hyperthyroidism, TSH receptor antibody or thyroid and thyroid stimulating immunoglobulin. Great. Awesome. Okay, let's go to Cecilia. My sister does not take her medication all the time, and lately she's been uh, having suicidal thoughts and depression. Oh no! Is this a form? Uh, is this from lack of thyroid medication? So thyroid medication can absence of when you're hypothyroid can certainly affect your mood and cause a decreased mood and thank you for that question I hope your sister can get help and and very important for you to get her to a medical facility to have that checked out um, if she's not on medication she needs to be on it but also for the suicidal thoughts that she's having definitely needs to have her evaluated right away sure sure thing all right and then uh, Linda should one a positive test of thyroids that's over the normal level mean you need synthroid what is synthroid Synthroid is brand levothyroxine. Okay, okay, so it's a her brand question of is if you got one positive test of thyroid that's over the normal level, does it mean you need that uh, medication? So that's a complicated question because I don't know what the TSH is. Right. Um, a one time level, uh, you know, I probably would repeat it because sometimes there is fluctuation in thyroid levels. If I would repeat it with the thyroid antibodies and if you're having any symptoms, then I would consider, you know, putting you on medication. Okay. And then uh, Mary, is extreme fatigue common with a treated thyroid? Yeah, so with a treated thyroid, extreme fatigue should, should hopefully be improved with, with being on thyroid hormone. That's why I do urge people to have further evaluation of fatigue once things set, 
you know, start yeah. getting within that healthy normal range. Right. And I say healthy because, you know, sometimes people are petering out at that upper end of normal um, TSH range where there, there is room for increase in the dose. So once we get you to that mid-normal range, if you're still having fatigue, you got to look elsewhere as well to make sure there's nothing else going on. And speaking of TSH, um, Leslie wants to know if TSH blood test is with normal range, does that mean that thyroid is healthy? Uh, so that means thyroid function is healthy, but okay. that does not necessarily mean that the thyroid is healthy. Mm. So you can still have an enlarged thyroid, you can still have thyroid nodules, even with a normal TSH. Okay. And then uh, Renee, I have hypothyroidism and my doctor prescribed me 100 milligram of Synthroid, but I have seen no effects. Is there something better on the market or anything in home remedies? So no effect, I'm not sure in regards to what particular symptoms, mm -hmm. but other, just to sort of generally talk about other things that can be used. So Synthroid is the brand. There are other brands, Lavoxyl, for example. There's also, you know, the generic levothyroxine. Synthroid is T4. Some people need the addition of T3, which is active thyroid hormone. Mm. And that can be given either with uh, liothyronine, which is Cytomel, a T3 supplementation, mm -hmm. or the pill can be switched over to um, Armor or Naturethroid, which is currently not on the market. Um, but those are natural desiccated thyroid products that contain both T4 and T3. Okay, awesome, great. And then I have Allison. I have hypothyroidism and feel ter terrible most of the time. My doctor has me on Armour Thyroid, but it tends to make my uh, main number run two points over or under. I feel the best when this happens. Is this bad for me or should she keep changing it? I feel like she should leave it alone. My body feels better and I may be <coughs> just a little off from the man-made chart. Thanks. So uh, I'm assuming that feeling better is when you're mildly hyper, so when the dose is more than you need. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't encourage or uh, you know, allow patients to, to, to be in that abnormal range because it can be associated with other things like irregular rapid heart rate, atrial fibrillation, which would require uh, anticoagulations or blood thinners. It can worsen your bone health. Uh, cause rapid heart rate. Uh, there are a lot of risks that can occur with prolonged over treatment of thyroid, mm -hmm. so I don't recommend being over treated. Um, so I, you know, I hope that answers her question. Sure thing. Yeah. And then uh, Mona, uh, if my TSH is 5 over 140, can it cause heart palpitations? Does that sound right? 5 over 140? No. Maybe 5.14? Maybe that's what she meant. Uh, TSH of 5 should not cause heart palpitations. Okay, okay. And then Sue, my daughter has thyroid problems as, and is on medication, but she still is gaining weight. Her test just came back okay. So what is the next step for her? Weight gain is very complicated. <laughs> so thyroid is definitely something that we think about when that comes back normal. There are other proteins and other hormones that play into weight and a lot of stuff that we actually cannot test for. Right. Um, other things that we could potentially test for if the weight is significant and there's no cause is excess cortisol production or Cushing syndrome. That would be one thing to consider. Um, but also working with a nutritionist to kind of review the diet and see how many calories you know her daughter has taken in and, right. and what kind of exercise. So the choice of exercise is also important. So high intensity interval training can be very effective in boosting metabolism. Mm -hmm. So that's you know sometimes better than 
just doing you know a slow moderate you know jog on a treadmill for an hour you can do a shorter amount of time in high intensity interval training oh. which can spurt or boost your metabolism I see that's very interesting good to know and then I have Janice how often should I have my thyroid be checked I have Hashimoto's is the TSH adequate so in some people the TSH is adequate people who feel well I mean you don't necessarily have to do the whole gamut of testing but mm -hmm. um, sometimes if you're not feeling well it could be helpful to kind of look at the other stuff as well um, the frequency of testing really depends I, I have my patients who are very well controlled and their doses don't change I have them come back every year there's some people who like to come every six months just because they want to make sure their levels are stable okay great and then uh, Sandy, my 67-year-old husband has three tiny bilateral, mildly complex thyroid nodules. Doctor said they will recheck in one year. About five years ago, though, he had one cyst-like nodule diagnosed with ultrasound that they were just going to watch. In your opinion, is continuing to watch standard treatments at <coughs> this point? All lab work with his checkup, including PTH and calcium, was within normal limits. History of osteopenia, multiple kidney stones, thank you. So just to clarify for others out there who want to know, parathyroid glands are not part of the thyroid, they just sit next to. So the word para means next to. And the, the parathyroid actually affects calcium metabolism. So I'm not sure if these cysts are, you know, in the thyroid is what she's saying, which mm -hmm. I, I think they are. Small bilateral, tiny, tiny cysts, we don't really worry about much. So just following with ultrasound is definitely appropriate. Okay, great. And then Maggie, I have a nodule on my thyroid, had a biopsy on the lump, it was all okay, but I still have that lump. Uh, ENT, uh, ear, nose, uh, throat doctor, mm -hmm. told me they do not remove it as long as it's not cancer. Is this okay? Yeah, so if the nodule came back benign, then you don't have to remove it. The indications for surgery at that point would be if you're having trouble swallowing, uh, foods, liquids, and if you're having breathing issues. So for those reasons, I definitely would recommend surgical evaluation. So someone like Maggie, she would get it checked like every few months then just to make well, sure. Well for the nodule, if, if the biopsy was normal, you know, mm -hmm. one year follow-up is probably one year. fine. Excellent. And then Janice, my thyroid was large enough to show up on a mammogram and uh, has displaced my trachea. Wow. Uh, but not noticeable on the outside. Um, my, uh, my ultrasound shows it has a very large nodule. How often should I have lab done? So again, lab function can be different from actually the anatomy of the gland. So you might have normal thyroid, but you have a huge gland that's pressing on your airway, moving it to one side or another. If you're having issues with breathing, that's definitely an indication for surgery. Um, I usually tell people who are young and healthy without issues, if you are having an issue like this, take care of it now that you're young and yes. you have no complications and anesthesia risk would be much lower than when you're older and all of a sudden this becomes a problem. Right, right, great. Uh, Heather, have you ever heard of your nodule being calcified? If so, uh, is this a good thing and not concerning anymore? So calcified nodules, sometimes we can see at really long thyroid, uh, history of thyroid nodules. You can sometimes see calcification, but the calcifications that we are concerned about are called microcalcifications. These mm -hmm. are really small calcium deposits we could sometimes see within the thyroid nodules, which can be suspicious for thyroid cancer. But those are usually the microcalcifications, so okay. that not actual, you know, sure. entire mm -hmm. nodule being what calcified. Yeah. Sure. And then Heather, if you have had a biopsy on a nodule, how often do you uh, have another biopsy done? And at what point do you stop having biopsies? 
So if it's benign the first time, then we, you know, we do a repeat ultrasound, okay. and if, if the ultrasound stays fine, then we just continue to monitor with ultrasounds. Okay. We wouldn't re-biopsy unless we see that it, there's a significant growth or if there's abnormalities on the uh, ultrasound. Okay, yeah. great. And um, I have hypo and large nodule and several small nodules, but all blood work always comes back within normal range. All symptoms of thyroid issues just turned 40, have been dealing with this since I was 25, and still have never been put on any medication. At what point do you do something about it? So that's the thing, you know, when the, you can have a huge thyroid and not have any thyroid dysfunction. So if, it depends again where that TSH is. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, if the levels are in a healthy range, you know, I wouldn't necessarily start any medication, but she does have multiple nodules that need to be followed with ultrasounds. Sure. Now if surgery is needed, and so this is something that then an endocrinologist would refer to? Yeah, so, so we would, yeah, we typically refer to endocrine surgery or ears, nose, and throat mm -hmm. are the, the doctors who typically do, and general surgery, general surgery also do, does it, but those are the doctors that typically do uh, thyroid surgeries. Okay, great. And let's see, and uh, Sharon, is, this a, is there truly a difference between synthetic thyroid hormone and animal-based thyroid hormone when it's used to treat hypothyroidism? So there is a difference in the fact that synthetic is T4, um, well, the levothyroxine synthetic, and mm -hmm. then the animal thyroid has the T4 and T3. There's, ah. there's also synthetic T3, lyothyronine. Um, Everybody is different. I, there are yeah. plenty of people on the T4 that feel perfectly fine, and then there's some people who don't. So that's why it's important to have a, a good doctor-patient relationship that you trust because they know you, and if you're not where you need to be, you have that conversation, and you know they can consider putting you on, on something different if it's just not working for you. Sure, great. And Alice, do you prescribe Armour or Synthroid for most of your low thyroid patients? I have people on everything. <laughs> Synthroid, levothyroxine, levoxyl, uh, armor, naturethroid, combinations of levo and lyothyronine. Everybody's different. And I treat every individual the way, you know, we, we have the conversation. And, you know, again, the guidelines tell us to use the levothyroxine. Um, but in, in the real world, not everyone does well on that. And there's a small percentage of people that don't convert T4 to T3. And in that group of people, adding T3 is helpful. Another uh, population of people where it's helpful is people with mood disorders, so mm -hmm. depression. Um, adding T3 sometimes can be helpful in that group of people because it makes them feel overall well. Sure, sure. So everybody kind of needs their own customized treatment. Yes. Plan. Yeah. Sure. And then Mary, could you explain hyperparathyroidism? So hyperparathyroidism, again, is not a thyroid condition. It's related to the parathyroid. So I don't know if you guys can see this little guy here. Maybe he's a thyroid. Up. He's huh? this guy. So <laughs> parathyroids are little, little thyroid, uh, parathyroids are little glands that sit behind the thyroid. Sometimes they're in other weird locations, behind the esophagus or even in the chest. But for the most part, they sit behind the thyroid and they regulate calcium metabolism. So high parathyroid hormone um, basically can be from various things. So if you have a high calcium, it could be that one of those parathyroid glands are running amok. Mm -hmm. um, it could be two, it could be three, it could be four, but usually it's one. Um, and if the calcium is normal, but the parathyroid level is high, it could be from other conditions like a malabsorption or a vitamin D deficiency. Now these kind of uh, things on the thyroid, are you saying they're behind the thyroid? Yeah, they're usually, they sometimes they're in the thyroid. You can't see them, you can't feel them. They're huh. usually very, very small, and even ultrasound typically doesn't show them. Oh. Every once in a while, we can see them on ultrasound, but they're tiny. 
Oh wow! So yeah. is it the pill that would help with that? To, so to the pill—that's a—it's a, a different type of nuclear test. So okay. when, if we do have suspicion that there's a, a high calcium level and a high parathyroid hormone, mm -hmm. there's a parathyroid nuclear scan ah. that could sometimes localize the abnormality. Okay, it's great. Smart. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sherry wants to know what is subclinical hyperthyroid. So subclinical <laughs> just means that usually when the TSH is low, but your free T4, free T3 levels are normal and or you're not having symptoms of hyperthyroidism. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, Leslie, uh, an ultrasound accidentally found a thyroid nodule which was later deemed to be predominant, 1.6 centimeters. When should I be concerned? Should I just keep watching for any further growth? So if the thyroid, it depends on what that nodule looks like. If it's solid, it probably needs to be biopsied just okay. to make sure that there are enough healthy cells. Okay, great. And um, Kelsey, do you recommend treating subclinical hypothyroidism? I have high TSH levels and positive for TPO antibodies, but no obvious symptoms. And then I'll have you talk about what is TPO. Okay, so TPO is thyroid peroxidase antibody. It's one of the antibodies for uh, Hashimoto's. Okay. Again, subclinical hypothyroidism, very dependent on the person and the patient. So I have patients who are, do not want to start any medication. Mm. You know, I, I had a, an 80-year-old woman the other day who I've been following for five years, and she just refuses to take medication. Uh, she feels perfectly well, and her mm -hmm. TSH is 7, which is in that subclinical range. She feels great, so we're not going to treat her, and we're following her. If she doesn't feel well, we'll put her on medication. Um, but there are some people who have subclinical, who are gaining weight, who have fatigue, who do need to be treated. So if you're one of those people, then definitely, you know, follow up with your endocrinologist or primary care doctor. Great. And then Holly, uh, why is it so hard for a regular person to get their doctor to order a complete thyroid panel, including parathyroid tests? So the parathyroid hormone we don't typically check unless the calcium level is elevated. So again, different from thyroid. For thyroid, usually, I, I mean, there are a lot of primary care doctors I work with here who actually do run the gamut of testing. Yeah. You can just ask them nicely if you have a good relationship with them. TSH free T4 is usually where we start, and if you have a family history, you could ask them to check a TPO antibody or a thyroid globulin antibody. Uh, we don't typically do more further testing until there's abnormalities, but okay. you know, that's where okay. we would go. And Pamela, is it true that we have to avoid broccoli, kale, soy, peach, etc., <laughs> for that who have thyroid? So, as we said earlier in the program, um, I don't think you should take those away because those are healthy things for yeah. your diet. Uh, and if you have normal thyroid function, it should not be of concern that you, you, you know, take that in. I mean, obviously, if you're eating, you know, kale, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner in massive amounts, then we might be a little concerned. Right. Um, but, you know, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then I'll give you one more question, and then we'll go here. I have uh, Darlene. Do you usually stay on medication for life? Yeah, so most people, most people do. If they're put on a, a replacement dose, then they, they typically are on it for life. But the pill is very small and very easy to swallow, so it's not as much an issue. Okay, great. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? I think we covered most we of did. it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you. And uh, for more information uh, for Cleveland Clinic Endocrine Services, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash endocrinology. And for more health tips and information, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.